All right, so what are we talking about here? A room full of leaders, maybe owners. Let's get real. Let's, let's talk about what it looks like to have, or maybe better said, to build an aligned leadership team. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open our minds and our hearts. May this be afresh, may it be new. God, show us where we need to take an action right now. May that be what, what, what we hear and see. Use the illustration, use the story, use the vulnerability, use the failure as a means to take the next right action. And so that's what you have is our yes in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're pretty serious about leadership. Um, if you've been to a workshop, you've, you've probably heard that. Like, this is what I am deeply, deeply passionate about. I'm deeply passionate about Jesus, and he's the leader we're going to model after. Okay? So we're going to talk about this, but we're going to put it in some very practical terms that hopefully will be helpful for you as you're building your marketplace ministry. What you might have thought of formerly as your business, God's ministry in the marketplace, and you're building a team that is aligned around purpose. Okay, so alignment is really the core here. You know, Jethro got some, I'm sorry, Moses got some advice from his father-in-law, right? What you're doing is not good. You're going to kill the people. You're going to kill yourself. Um, so building a team is a really important step. But we want to begin with the view of what does alignment look like when we're building that team? Because if we don't start with alignment, we could build a team and then realize we built a team aligned around the wrong things. And that might be where you are today. You may have a leadership team. And it, what is a leadership team? Well, it's two or more people, right? When Madonna and I are leading in our home, it's the two of us. I'm not in charge. We are leading. Now, in a place of business, there has to be somebody that is in charge. And that might be you. So if I'm looking at you as the senior leader, then I have a lot of expectations for what God would want to do through you, but first in you, and then what he's going to do with you through a team that you're going to help build. That is a responsibility that we bear. Okay, so if you're part of a senior leadership team, then you understand what this looks like to be on that team and also figure out what it looks like to be aligned on that team. Okay, so we all have responsibility in this regardless of the role we play or the role we're in, the seat we fill. But remember, we're doing this from a posture of rest not striving. This isn't weight on your shoulders. It is responsibility and opportunity to go sit before the king and say, what does the team need to look like that you want to build in your ministry, God? So let's start with that. It's two or more people, but if I'm the senior leader, what did Jesus do before he called the 12? Yeah. Where? Alone? Where? on a mountain. He got away from the whirlwind. He got alone. He got quiet. He did what we just practiced before lunch, and he started talking to his father. And I can imagine if you already have a leadership team and you hadn't done that before you had that leadership team, well, guess what? Now you have an opportunity to say, what is alignment going to look like for the team that I already have? And I might have to go change something 
Because if this is really God's business, if I have not yet consecrated and given this back to him, well, that's step one. So I'm going to invite you to do that. We don't have time today to dive deeply into that. But if you haven't given your, my business back to God, well, that might be step one. Because that then provides an opening, a doorway, a pathway to say, we're going to align around this not being my business any longer, but around it being God's business. Okay? So purpose is what we're talking about here. Why your organization exists, whether it's for-profit, not-for-profit, makes me no real difference. If you are leading in an organization and you are the senior leader, then you have responsibility, but not striving. You have an opportunity, okay? So if you haven't, give it back to the Lord. I invite you to do that. You don't have to do that, but I invite you to do it. Two, I invite you to start thinking about what is getting alone and asking the Father, what does he want this leadership team to be aligned around? What is the alignment point need to start with? And I'm going to suggest that the highest value is not alignment around a mission, what we're going to do in the marketplace, but around spiritual things. If this is really God's business, God's organization, then we're going to align spiritually first. That might seem weird in the middle of the marketplace. If it's not what you've been doing, it's going to be weird for the people that you're leading. That's a transition. And guess what? You, the senior leader, get to go first. You get to explain. You get to, to share. When we say the leader goes first, usually we, we invite that through vulnerability. You get to talk about why this change is happening. Right? Simon Sinek, why before what? If we don't tell people why things are changing and just invite them to change, well, good luck. You're going to need luck because that's not God's way. God wants you to help them understand the why. We have a responsibility to communicate. We have a responsibility to share. And we also have an opportunity to be vulnerable as we do that. So we get the opportunity. We have the opportunity to share if there's going to be a transition coming. And you might need a minute alone with the Lord. You might need a little, re little spiritual retreat yourself to, to prepare your heart to then bring spiritual alignment in. And that's you being a spiritual leader. All leadership is spiritual. What spirit is leading? If it's the Holy Spirit, well, he's going to go before you and he's going to give you the words, right? We've, we've been talking about that for the last day and a half. He will give you what you need to say, but he's going to invite you to be the mouthpiece of that, okay? So spiritual leadership. The next thing is we're going to invite you, if you're building an aligned leadership team, tell them everything. Okay, what do I mean everything? Well, let's define everything. It's everything. Yes, I want you to tell them about the finances of the business. Oh, that's your personal finances? Well, is this God's business or is it yours? If there's some things that you've been doing maybe that are not aligned with the way they could be aligned in your finances, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to align them differently and be vulnerable and say, hey, God's teaching me in this journey too. We're going to learn together. Do you want to go on a journey?
we're going to do some things differently, and I'm going to lead. I'm going to go first. That's what we get to do as senior leaders. When we make mistakes, we get to apologize. Let me tell you a story from this last week. So over the last year, we've started two new businesses in Beatonbow Companies. We started a distribution company to deal with supply chain issues, and we started a bakery and a cafe. And we don't expect a business to be profitable day one, but we do expect it to be profitable. And here we are a little over a year after that started, but let me rewind. We're six years into a regenerative farm. Do you know we've never made a profit in that farm? What do we call a business that doesn't make profit? <laughs> There's all kinds of sarcastic answers. We call it gone. If it's not subsidized, it's gone. Can we be real honest here? We've subsidized that business for six years, and our actions and our words have not matched. So before we got on a plane yesterday, we had an all-company, we call them rallies, 350 employees at a hotel conference center, and the first thing out of our CEO's mouth, he couldn't be present. He recorded this video a week before, and he said, guess what, guys? Our actions and our words have not matched. I'm sorry. We're 30 years into this, and we got to apologize again. And then the rest of our board got to sit on stage and take questions for an hour, live Q&A from an audience that's going, we're all owners. In our business, every one of us is an owner. We're an employee-owned company. And so we get to be real transparent with each other and say, why was that business not profitable? Well, it's because we didn't actually take the steps that we said we would take. So we get to be vulnerable as leaders and we get to take responsibility. So I'm not pointing the finger. I'm telling you, this is what we got to do this week. It's real, it's valuable to be honest with the people that are, that are looking at you for spiritual leadership. And when you make a mistake, you get to say, I'm sorry, and you get to change your mind, metaneo, and you get to do something different. And you know, we've been in a season where, yes, in a kingdom business, in a kingdom enterprise, we get to part ways with people. That is also kingdom. How we do that matters. And we have done it poorly, and we've got to apologize for that. And we've tried to do it differently. We've tried to love people as we invite them to take their excellence elsewhere. Did you hear me? Spiritual alignment and spiritual leadership happens in every context. Now, I can't fire one of my boys. There's been days when Madonna and I have had that conversation. Can we fire him? Like... <laughs> Like, at, at the age of eight, can he move out? Like, can he be? You're joking, you're laughing, but you've all thought it if you're a parent. So there's a difference. I was just telling Ron this over lunch. There's a difference between family and an organization. People in an organization want to be a part of a winning team. And that's true in the kingdom, too. But our definition of winning is probably a little different. In the world of for-profit business, it means we're going to be profitable. But profit is not the highest priority. The people are. So we get to build alignment, and we get to tell them everything. 
Yes, the uncomfortable things, the mistakes that we've made, we get to stand up and apologize for them. And if we don't make a change, well, then shame on me, the leader, right? It's our responsibility to make the tough decisions, but to do that in love and in honor for the flourishing, the shalom of the team that we lead. So if I'm building an aligned leadership team, I've got to have these things. And then maybe the most important point, if I'm the senior leader, is I actually have to give them real authority. That means they have the ability to mess it up. Does that make you a little uncomfortable? (laughs) Give you a little shiver? It did me. We have to give real authority. We have to be able to say, I give you the ability to make a different decision than I would make. Now, I'm not going to just toss you the keys and walk away. That's abdicating. Don't abdicate your authority. Don't abdicate your responsibility, senior leader. Go with them. That's what Jesus did, right? Grace plus truth over time. He went with people. He didn't just toss them the keys. Now, he didn't stay with them forever, but he did go with them and equip them. So it is real authority that we're giving away. We're actually entrusting them with a part of the ministry. So if we're building a a senior leadership team, if we're building alignment, one, they have to recognize that this is spiritual leadership. And you, the senior leader, are the spiritual covering. I like to think of this analogy in my head. If if it's raining, is it raining right now? I've been outside. It's supposed to rain today, right? If it's raining, let's pretend like it's raining in here and I'm holding an umbrella. What's happening to me? I have a covering, right? Now, I can believe in that covering or not, but the practical truth is if I'm standing under it, whether I believe in umbrellas or not, I'm not getting wet. You tracking with me? So my belief in that covering doesn't really matter nearly as much as the fact that I'm under it. Leaders provide spiritual covering. We set, the, uh, we set the tone, we set the purpose of the organization as the covering. And at Beat and Bow Companies, you don't need to be a Christian to be an employee. Why? Because employees or team members are aligned around values, not around their professed faith. We live in the Bible Belt and everybody professes something. I'm not discounting the people who say they are following Jesus. I'm telling you that when they show up in the marketplace, sometimes their faith doesn't show up with them. That's been true for me, so I'll be the first to say that that was my reality at one point. So we're not talking about how Christian is someone. And by the way, we've made that mistake. I was in a board meeting about five years ago when we were deciding to create a spiritual covenantal relationship with our leaders. And the question that we were wrestling through, arguing through, cussing and discussing, you might say, was how do we determine how Christian Johnny is? Do you know what that was? That was a religious discussion. It was not of the spirit of the living God. We got off on a sidetrack, and God had to correct us in that and say, listen, your alignment for the frontline team member for even a leader is not about how Christian they are. 
but are they open to being led by God's Spirit? And will they make your purpose their purpose? So leader, I'm looking at you and saying, why does your organization exist? If you don't have a defined purpose, and I'm going to say as spiritual leaders, if you don't have a kingdom purpose, then maybe you need to get alone on a mountain and talk to the Father. No condemnation, but I'm challenging you. If your purpose is not a kingdom purpose as a senior leader, does your business really belong to God? You do, but does your business actually belong to the Lord? I might challenge you. Should you go ask him, what does a kingdom purpose look like for your ministry here in the marketplace, God, that I have surrendered back to you? I didn't give it away. I'm surrendering it, and I'm showing up and saying, here I am. How do you want it to look? So we're going to define purpose, and then we're going to give real authority. You might be asking the question, well, who's on a leadership team if these are the principles by which I'm going to define the team? Well, how do I decide who's on the team? I'm so glad you asked. Maybe you should start by asking the Lord, right? That's a conversation I think we've already had, so I'm not going to continue to say that, but I will invite you to have it. Are they open to hearing from God as they lead? This is an unconventional thing in the marketplace. Now, talking to a bunch of folks from or near or around Living Stones, maybe it's not as unconventional as it, in most, as it is in most places, but if you've never done this and the, the team that you are leading or the team that you have already around you hasn't been invited to this, well, this is going to be new. And there's going to be new rhythms and there's going to be new practices. I'm going to invite you to be bold in this, unapologetic in it, but grace-filled in it. If you're making a transition and we're going from here to there, maybe it's better done this way because you're looking at me. Like if you see a chart and we're going up and to the right, right? We're here and we're going to there. Well, first of all, I have to, need, I, I have to know where there is. I have to define there. And that, that is my, my role as a senior leader with the team that I have built. We need to define the there. We also have to recognize that the, where we are today, the here, there's a reason we can't stay here. Oftentimes, we paint a really clear picture of where we're going, the there in this equation or this visual, but we don't tell people why we can't stay here. Are they open to hearing from God as they lead? We're headed to a new place, and we're going to invite each other to be leading spiritually, why can't we stay here? Well, that's a different spirit if we're not asking God's spirit. If we're not open to that and you are not open to that as a member of my, our leadership team, this may be difficult for you because we exist to be God's ministry. I'm not saying you can't be a part of this team, but are you open to it? See, if I put it as a hard requirement and I make them sign a statement of faith, do you think that actually changed their heart? Did Jesus have requirements for Peter before Peter joined his team? Last I checked, he said, follow me, right? I think Peter had failed out of rabbinic school. He had failed all the religious requirements. You see, Jesus didn't choose them based on their ability to look religious. 
He chose them based on their openness. So are we choosing people on our team that are open to being led by God? I'm going to propose that you write these four leader values down. We think these apply across any organization. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but I invite you to go look at Scripture and look at the leaders and the teams that are illustrated in Scripture and tell me that these qualities don't exist in those teams and in those individuals. Maybe you want to change the one or two of these words, but if you're in the process of building an aligned leadership team, might I suggest that these be four values of leaders that you would choose to be a part of your team? People that have the posture of humility, the pursuit, we might say, of humility. There's one thing in Scripture that God says He opposes, He stands against. It's pride. So if there's not a pursuit of humility... Uh Uh-oh. And if you have a person on your team today that is unwilling to pursue humility, I didn't say that you needed to judge them. I said you might need to invite them to make this one of their life values. And if they can't make that leap, you may need to uninvite them from the team because your responsibility is the people that will be entrusted to their care. You hear me? Courage, confidence, improver. Those are four values unapologetically at Beaten Bow Companies we invite every leader to adopt. And I'm not saying aspirationally adopt. I'm saying that must be part of your DNA today, not you must be able to develop into that. Now, it's easy for us to do this today because we have these written down. But there was a moment in time when we had leaders on the team And we hadn't written this stuff down. And when we wrote it down, uh uh-oh, there's a mismatch. That might be what's going through your mind right now. I have leaders on my team that don't exhibit those values. Yes, you do. And yes, you might need to make some change. How you go about that should be led by the Spirit, should be full of grace but full of truth. A practical example is you might invite them to consider, can they pursue these four values. If you know that one of them's not in them, then an honest conversation sounds like, I have not seen the fruit of confidence in you. I'm not saying you're not a leader, but a leadership team here is going to have to have, individuals on that team are going to have to have these values, and I haven't seen the fruit of that in your life. Can you commit to change? Is that even possible? I'm not telling you how to have the conversation. I'm telling you from the mistakes that we've made when we say you're not a leader because you're not confident. You know what I just did? I gave them an identity that was different than the Father gave them. Be careful. We've made that mistake. There's there's some real hurt that can occur there when you say you're not a leader. It's different when you say, I don't see the fruit, and we're aligning around these values, and that's the fruit I'm going to need to see. And if I don't see that, then I'm going to honestly come to you and say that I'm not seeing that, and that might mean you need to take a role that isn't in leadership. I love you enough to hold you to that standard because I expect that of a leader. I expect more of a leader than I do of a team member. That's kingdom. 
It could sound harsh in your mind or in your ears, but we're entrusted with people. Folks, this is life or death for some people, right? The words we speak over them, and Don said this earlier, those are words of life and death. That comes out of Scripture. She didn't just say that, right? So we need to be conscientious and intentional with our words, and we need to choose values that reflect the king and his kingdom. Okay, so I'm choosing leaders based on values, not based on my loyalty to them, not based on how long they've been here or the work that they've previously done. And guess what? You get to set the tone for that. You have the responsibility and the opportunity to set the tone for we're headed in a new direction. I'm excited as the senior leader to set this direction. We're going there. We can't stay here, and here's why. You need to paint the compelling reason why we can't stay where we are, and then you have to set some milestones along the way. So if you're making a transition, and if you're building a brand new leadership team, awesome. That's the best time to, to do these things. It's the easiest time to do them because you're building something new. If you have a leadership team and you need to shift it because you're choosing a kingdom purpose and you're going to align around some values that you've not previously written down or given clarity to, that is a tough thing, but it's a, it's a thing worthy of doing. Did you hear me? It's something worth doing because if this is God's ministry in the marketplace, then people matter. Those people don't belong to you. They've been entrusted to you. Are you stewarding them with the king's goals in mind, with the king's purposes in mind? That's our opportunity. I love in Scripture, one of the, the attributes when, when Moses is trying to figure out, how do I choose people to be leaders? They hate dishonest gain. I think this is a really practical thing. How do you determine that about somebody? Well, I'm going to trust you to go talk to the Lord about how to determine that. But they are aligned around the kingdom advancing, not about padding their po pocketbook. If you're in a for-profit enterprise, you need to make money. You know, we have a dear friend that says, profit is like breath. Everybody do this with me. Take a deep breath. Now, you've been doing that since you... Well, since you were born. Maybe not taking a deep breath, but you've been breathing since you were born. And up until I invite you to take a deep breath, you don't have to think about it. Now, you thought about it when I asked you to do it because I invited that thought, right? But you don't think about that. Profit in a business is like air we breathe. Stop breathing. You'll eventually pass out. And your body will take over. It says, you're dumb. I'm going to take over for you, and we're going to continue breathing. That's the way God designed it. Is breathing why you exist, though? Let me ask that question. Do you exist to breathe, or do you breathe to live? We breathe to live. So in our organizations, we must unapologetically, if we're for profit, we must make a profit. If we're not for profit, we better be good stewards of the profit, the revenue that God brings to us. We better be accountable. And we better hate dishonest gain. 
And that might mean some business practices in your marketplace ministry, the thing formerly known as your business, might need to change. That's you aligning around a different purpose. Maybe the way you calculate margins. Maybe the way you pay suppliers. Maybe the way you treat suppliers might need to change. This isn't just about money. It's about our interactions. It's about the relational opportunities we have in the kingdom through the enterprise we lead. So that's helping us define who's on the team. The senior leader, we say a leader's job is the people. The team is your mission. The work of the company is the frontline team member's mission. So what you might have to do, senior leader, is let go of the actual work of the business and start focusing on the development of your team. A developmental style was Jesus' model. He invested in his team. He told them everything. You know, he spoke in parables to, to the masses, but he gave them the interpretation, right? He told them everything. Your mission as the senior leader in this organization, whatever that organization is, is the team that you are building and that you're aligning. And you may have to prune to maintain alignment. How you do that matters. Can't say that enough. But doing it is not optional if there's not alignment. I also can't say that enough. When I walk into organizations and people say, help me, one of the first things we go look at is the health of the senior leadership team. And I can tell a lot about an organization, not from the mouth of the senior leader, but by just walking around. If you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, come into our organization. I invite you. I'm going to learn something from you about the health of our organization. We are not perfect. Chelsea was just giving me an example over lunch of a team member that came up here and visited them. And she went, that doesn't sound like Beatonbow. You know, she was honest with me. She was honest enough to tell me, that doesn't sound like your culture. And it wasn't. And that leader no longer works here. Not because Chelsea said anything. <laughs> she didn't squeal on anybody. But you know what we learned by talking to the team? That that leader was not healthy. And over time, there's a lot of grace extended. We do a lot of coaching. That is the role of a senior leader. If the team is your mission, you're going to do a lot of coaching and going with and helping and thinking about the best for that individual. And at some point, if, if you lose hope in alignment being achieved and maintained, if it takes all of your energy to maintain that, then it's time for that person to probably not be on that team and not be leading. And that's the role of a leader. Y'all determine purpose. I, I like to think of that as if this is God's thing, we're going to determine how we articulate that purpose and you establish direction. The senior leadership team makes the big decisions, left, right, straight ahead. Do we start something new? Do we stop something we've been doing? But when it gets down to the nuts and bolts of how that particular team or function happens, well, there's a leader that's leading. So we're going to give them real authority and real territory. We're going to define lanes. We're going to define roles. And then we're going to invite them to lead with our purpose 
and our values in mind, and we're going to invite them to flourish. And then we're going to look for fruit, right? Jesus said we'll be known by our fruit. So if we're leading spiritually, people are going to be flourishing. Not perfect. They're going to be flourishing. And so we can ask, how are things going? Really tough, deep questions like, how are you doing? And guess what? Stop and listen. So senior leader, do you have margin in your day to make that happen? If you don't, no condemnation, but you probably need to change things. You probably need to structure something differently so that you have margin to go see are the people flourishing under your leadership because you're ultimately the one that God's going to look to and say, how did that go? Not in condemnation. He's looking for the flourishing. He wants that. We think leadership teams, they don't have to be three to four people. That might just be two, right? In a small startup enterprise, it might be you and one other. It might be you and your spouse in a startup organization, and it's not even an employee on the leadership team yet. That's okay. The key is have a leadership team. Don't do this alone. You were not created to do it alone. In isolation, leaders find themselves in all kinds of problems. It is the place where things will happen and go awry very quickly. So if you're isolated, change it. Change it today. God might even be bringing somebody into your mind. Holy Spirit might have put a name on your heart. Who do I need to call up to be on this leadership team? Are they ready? I don't know. But am I willing to ask them if they're open to spiritual leadership? And I, am I willing to go with them and to develop them? If those two, if you can answer a solid yes to that, Maybe you should invite them onto your leadership team. You should also be thinking about the values alignment, right? Are they, are they an improver? Do they, if you left for a month, I'm not suggesting anybody leave their enterprise for a month, but if you left for a month and came back, would that leader have made it better? If so, they're an improver. You want that. Because, right, the work of the business is theirs. Your work is them. You have to make that shift. It has to be an intentional and a conscious shift. Your work is to get to know them, to grow them, and to build that team and continue looking for opportunities to build the team. And we like to say unity in God's spirit, it is the absolute highest value for this team. Certainly the senior leadership team. And again, that may be just two people. If it's two, it's actually a whole lot easier than if it's seven. So if you're starting with two, say, thank you, Lord. If you have seven and there's not alignment, Lord, how would you like to change this? And what do you want me to do as the first right action? What is my, what is my portion in that? How do we lead as a leadership team? Well, we start by asking, what does God want? So we're going to spend time actually in prayer together. That sounds awkward. If you've not been doing it in the marketplace, you might think, well, I do that in my life group, but... You want me to do that in the, yes, as a leadership team that is spiritual leaders, yes, I want you to spend time praying together. Not because I want it, because that's what God requires, right? He wants us to have a communication line open with him all the time. We need to be accountable to each other. That means 
If Ron and I are on a leadership team together and he sees me doing something, he has permission and he actually has responsibility to bring that to my attention. Now, if we don't have much of a relationship, it, that's going to sound differently than if we've been working together for 10 years. But either way, if we're aligned around a purpose and we're a part of an aligned leadership team, his responsibility is in grace to bring that truth to me for my growth. And that might sound something like, hey, I know you're committed to being confident. What I just saw was not confidence, but I know you're committed to that, and I actually know that's how God wired you. So I want to invite you to do that differently next time. And you know what he's doing? He's just reminding me. He's reminding me of my commitment to that, and that's loving me. And we can be gracious with one another. We can give grace when we're learning how to do that. If we've not been doing that, we can learn how to do that, and there's grace for that, right? It's an environment of grace. Be submitted to each other in humility. There's lots of ways, lots of examples I can give. I want to open it up for Q&A, and we'll, we'll dive into wherever you want to go with your questions. Uh, find the best thing, not your thing. This is one of the most difficult things. If I'm looking at a room of type A, driven leaders, we're not short on ideas or passion, are we? Not a one of us. But if the team is my mission, and this is God's business, well, guess what? I may have to start asking people what do they think is the best thing and be willing to go the way that they think. Now, we should have a good, healthy discussion about that. I don't know if you heard in the film, Kingdom Conflict, those things exist. <laughs> and they're not mutually exclusive. We can have conflict, but you know what? When it's Kingdom Conflict, we're both looking for the best outcome or the group is looking for the best outcome, not I'm trying to win a battle. If you find your heart posture trying to win a battle, you're on that exercise bike going nowhere. Find the best thing, not your thing. And the role of the senior leader is to listen for all the ideas. Engage the full team. If you have a team of four, if we're making a big decision, I want to hear from every one of those leaders. And I'm not, here, I'm not listening for let's all think the same. I'm listening for different ideas. Who doesn't think Ron's idea is the best? Chelsea, you have a different idea? I'd like to hear that now before we make a decision. And I'd really like to hear it now. <laughs> so we're listening for disagreement before a decision is made so that we can work through that disagreement and come to the best outcome. And as senior leader, I have to invite that, I have to facilitate it, and I have to be willing for someone else's idea to win. I can't abdicate my responsibility to make a decision, though. My responsibility is once all the ideas have been placed on the table, prayerfully, carefully choose the best one and move forward. And guess what? We're leaders. We make a bad decision, I'll make another one for you. I'll apologize for it. I'll make the situation right, and we'll go a different direction. I'm not going to be paralyzed by decisions. Neither should you. Now, your personality, you may have to work through some things where if you get high-centered on decisions, maybe you need somebody that's not high-centered on decisions right next to you on your leadership team. And you need to invite them to help you move. Now, if you're a mover 
and you need to think before you move. You might need to invite somebody that thinks before you move to be on your senior leadership team. You tracking? We call that disagree and commit. Disagree before the decision's been made. Do it in an honoring way and then commit to the decision. We're going to run the play that has been called. And we're going to own it like we made it. You hear me? I'm not going to say, I told you so. That's disunity. That's looking for somebody to fail. That's setting somebody up for failure. That is not unity. And in the kingdom, there's unity. What did we say before? Unity is the highest value. Not uniformity. Don't mistake that. Unity, not uniformity. Disagree and then commit. Run the play that's called. If it's a mistake, learn from it, pivot. If it was a success, persevere. Keep moving. This is about advancing God's kingdom. It's not about padding your profit. But guess what? As you make more profit, you have the opportunity to expand your influence economically, but also with people. That is a beautiful thing in the kingdom. Okay, enough talking. I'd rather answer questions. So let's get real. What's on your mind as it, as it pertains to building a leadership team that we can answer, that we can talk through? Oh, come on, that's not clear. Somebody's got a question. Who's going to be the brave soul? All right, Chris. <clears throat> They're recording this, so I, I, for that purpose, I will ask you to use the mic. Is it on? Now it's on. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I know. I, you, so for the leadership... Uh, we call them core values, I guess, mm -hmm. or what the values I have. Do you have anything within your leadership values that are aspirational? Is it all, I know you said you could have a leadership team already where they don't match up perfectly, but mm -hmm. do you have anything when people are even within leadership where you're saying this is still something that's aspirational? Sure. So we didn't start with that, but we've developed that. So to be a leader, a frontline leader, we've got a leader's guide. Some of you probably have access to it, but the way we articulate this is... Those four core values must exist in the leader. And I'm talking about a frontline leader, but I propose if you don't have leader values, start with those for your senior leaders, okay? Because our senior leaders have to adopt or have to have those four values themselves. Start with those. That must be in me before I join as a leader at Beaten Boat Companies today. Over the first year, as a senior leader, I'm going to help develop three or four or five other things in that leader over the first year. So that, in that regard, there are some things that I'd like to see them become, but they didn't have to come with those. So an example of that is I want them to be a developer of people. But if I'm a team member today and I'm calling that team member up to leadership, I need to see these four things, humility, courage, confidence, and improver today. Like, I need to see real tangible evidence. I have to be able to say that that's a lifestyle for this person, not a once-in-a-while style. Do you hear me? Don't squint on that. When you squint, that's a Jack Welch statement. When you squint on that and go, I think he's confident. I think she's an improver. Uh-oh. 
You're, you're calling that person a spiritual leader. You're calling them up to that. And then you're going to entrust them to shepherd the hearts and the professional lives of four or five or six people. If you squint, guess what? That team hurts. That team suffers. So we say those four must exist. That must be their lifestyle. But over the course of the first year, the leader of that leader, so if I'm leading John and John is a brand new leader, I'm going to help, I'm going to go with John, learn how to be a developer of people. That's aspirational. But over the first year, if John doesn't adopt that and become a developer of people, John will not be a leader on our team. So it's not aspirational with no time frame in mind. We're in business. X to Y by when? You heard this phrase? The discipline of execution? X to Y by when? We're going from X to Y, and there has to be some time. And those are not hard deadlines. We're not trying to be harsh, but we're being accountable. And the kingdom is a, a culture of accountability. That answer that question? Okay, what else? Yes, ma'am. We have a runner. Right. I love it. No, don't be sorry. I love it. So my question is, um, if we've been in business for a while and we've not introduced market share ministries to the business yet, what would you recommend as some of the first steps to doing so? Okay. Can I ask a follow-up question real quick? Do you have a leadership team today or we not? Do. We okay. Do. How, just how many people are on that team? Um, we have... Three in Tinley and two in Crown Point, so five. Five leaders, and how many total employees? I think last week I was like 45. Okay, just gives me a framework, and I, I like that for the audience. So there's five leaders and 45, 50 people. Let's call it rough numbers, right? Five and 50-ish. We've not been a marketplace ministry. We're becoming one. We've dedicated this business. Have you dedicated this business to the Lord? Okay, so it belongs to God. I like real conversation between leaders. We can have real frank conversation, right? We've dedicated this business to the Lord, and now we have a leadership team, and we, are, we want to become a marketplace ministry. My first suggestion to you is to sit down and maybe even take some semblance of these slides and say, this is the direction we're going. We're going to establish a kingdom purpose. And if you're the owner, I, I see that as my responsibility, but I want to invite you as leaders to help me think through that. I'm going to go talk to God about it, but I'd love to hear your perspective on it because ultimately I'm going to ask you to be aligned with it. And no surprises, right? I think that's one of the job of the leader is not to surprise people. Not, I have to balance that. There's a tension between how much weight can they bear and how quickly, and that's a real thing. So I'm going to need to know my people. How well do you know those five leaders? If you know them exceptionally well and you've worked with them for years, you can probably have a pretty mature conversation with them, right? And you can say, this is the direction we're going. I'm going to need you to extend some grace because I know this is all new. I'm going to have grace for this, but I'm going to be really, really honest, and we're moving in a new direction. We're going from X to Y. The when, okay, I'm going to need some help. How quickly can we make this transition? What is appropriate? What is healthy? I don't know what industry we're in. And I don't need to know, but I think beginning the journey by having a really mature conversation with that leadership team would be a good starting point. And you being vulnerable about why you're doing this 
If they've seen you consecrate this business to the Lord, they've seen you surrender it, they're probably not going to be very surprised. But they are going to be wondering, now what does that actually mean for me? And so I think clarifying that, and we can take that offline as deep as you want to go, but clarifying, hey, there's going to be some new things. Your role is going to shift from, is going to change from being a manager of processes to a leader of people. People don't want to be managed. They want to be led. And we're going to lead them spiritually. Yeah, I don't fully know what that means either, but we're going to work on it together. So begin to characterize a vision and a shift and then invite them to join you on the journey. And some will and some won't. We have a dentist practice in Lubbock, Texas, and they exact same question four years ago. What does it look like? Do you have a leadership team? Oh, yeah, I have a couple of Christians on my team. They are so excited. Do you know who was the staunchly resistant people about this change a year in? The Christians on the team. Now, I don't paint everybody in that light, but a religious spirit is different than an open mind to the spirit of the living God. And what he ran headlong into was a religious spirit. We're excited about this until we actually have to start living it. That's what he ran headlong into. So buyer beware, right? This is one of the toughest ways to lead, but I believe it's the way Jesus called us to lead. And in leading relationally, he got to know that their commitment to the kingdom was on Sunday. It wasn't on Monday. And he had to deal with that. And that meant pruning on his team. Now, I'm not pr prophetically speaking that. In fact, I break off any of that in your organization right now in Jesus' name, that you not fight that, but we have to be ready for it. And we have to be aware that people that say they're interested, when you ask them to actually make change and then hold them accountable for that change, if you say, I want you to get to know the team members that you lead, and I actually want you to know them and grow them and care for them spiritually, personally, and professionally, and you start holding them accountable for fruit, well, guess what? You're going to learn some things. So I think that's, that's on us to know and to begin interceding for right now. As you're making this shift, Lord, we just cover this organization, and we pray that you will go before, and that people will feel loved in the name of Jesus by your spirit. Amen. I'd love to go deeper. I'll leave it at, I think that's a starting point for you. And there's a lot of things that you can do, but there's no formula for what you should do. We have lots of ideas, but we want to serve you. Okay? So I'll say it that way. What else? We got about eight more minutes before people are going to come back into this room. So... Yeah, who needs to go to the gym? Just run the mic, right? So as a, like, a solopreneur, right, um, I'm looking forward to the next year, two years, five years, like starting to build my team. Mm -hmm. What are the things that I should be doing now to prepare myself to be that leader mm. to build out that team? One, I love your heart and asking that question. I love this early phase. I have a, a dear, near and dear heart, heart for a solopreneur because it can feel isolated. So one, I, I would start inviting you. I don't know if you're plugged into this local fellowship or to market share, but find some place where you can plug in where there are like-minded business owners. 
we have an idea, but I'm, I'm going to say find someone that can plug, you can plug into that will begin walking that journey with you. I think individually, ask the Lord, what is the purpose of this enterprise that you've birthed in my heart? If it's profit, what plus profit are you trying to do? What kind of kingdom view do you, do you want this to have, Lord? And so I think he's going to give you something there. I mean, some quiet time, just like we had in that love letter moment, ask him and start writing down what he gives you. I think he will start unpacking things, but practically, if you've led before or if you haven't led before, it might look like, what does it look to lead in God's kingdom? And so I think we've got some resources that might be available to you, specifically here through Market Share, if you're not already a part of it, but I would just say, find a community of like-minded where you can begin to plug in, ask the Lord to give you purpose and direction, and also, Pray for the team that you don't yet have, but will need, you will need over time. Begin to pray for that. It's not too soon. Now, business has to actually operate, right? You have to have customers. You have to have revenue. You have to have actually a profit. And so you can be praying for those things and ask for his, Holy Spirit's wisdom and guidance in that early. And I think leadership teams for solopreneurs are typically not people who are going to be employed there early on. So what, did I, what am I saying? I think you're going to have a mentor, maybe somebody that's done this or somebody that is a couple of steps ahead of you in doing this, that is doing it with a kingdom view. That's who you need to be walking with. And I don't mean to be prescriptive, but that's just what the Lord's giving me, I think, for you right now. So I'd be looking for, maybe there's somebody in this room, like we should have a networking session, like who wants to help them? But you, you get the idea, like there, there's a place for you to begin learning today, and I appreciate your heart to learn. Love to talk to you. We'll do that afterwards, okay? One more. So my question is, what was one or a few of the most impactful moments in your marriage with your wife supporting you in business? And what would you recommend for currently a stay-at-home wife with supporting that role for my husband? <laughs> Sweetheart, do you want to answer this question? <laughs> um, well, I, I think, one, recognizing that I have a life leadership team member in all contexts that I'm in. So we don't do anything, whether it's in Beaten Bow Companies. Now, I don't call her every board meeting and say, hey, baby, this is what we're about to you know, decide. What do you think? But... We're praying through my heart and my heart posture all the time. So she is my intercession. I don't mean I don't pray, but when she knows I'm walking through something or walking into something, I'm calling her and saying, will you intercede with me? And you can bet she's the first number I call when I'm, when I'm facing a circumstance that I have no idea how to deal with. So intercession is one thing that I would encourage in your heart. That may or may not be a gift you feel like you have, but I think God's going to birth it if he doesn't already have that for you. So it is something that I think we can do one for another, especially in, 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 a, in the covenant of marriage. Um, one of the most impactful things that, that she's done is give me grace to grow. Um, she has not judged me. She has not pointed out all my failures. And I'm not saying you would or have, but she has given me a lot of grace to grow. And I have made some horrible mistakes as a leader, in our family, in our marriage, I've made horrible mistakes, but those don't define me. That's what she's helped me with is, is helping me remind myself of what my identity, who I am. 
And she consistently does that. So I would say that's what we do one for another is remind each other that we're a son and a daughter, a king and a queen. She also has helped me. She has a gift of prophecy. So that's, a, that's dreams, like two and three a night. Many times those are for me. And she'll tell me, hey, this one's for you. I don't know what it means. Let's go learn what it means in an interpretation, but you're going to have to apply it. So those are ways that has been practical in our marriage. Um, what was the second part of your question? Okay. Praise God. I thought I was going to need help. Phone a friend. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe time for one more. For one more question. Aaron. Uh, I know ultimately as the senior leader of the team, I'm going to have to make the decision like we talked about after hearing everyone out. But if the team is kind of split <laughs> on what direction we're going to go in here, and I know I'm going to have to make that decision, what's kind of like your follow-up process for like the health of where the team is at, their hearts, their minds, things like that? Sure. Well, that is so dependent on the kind of decision. So let me give you some framework that I think about. Like, Anytime I feel pressured that I have to make a quick decision, usually that's from the enemy. So, and sometimes that can come through what looks like the voice of the team, pressuring me to make a quick decision. Now, I'm not saying I need to be ignorant, so I need to step away from the situation and decide, do I need to make this now or do we have, some, do we have, a, do we have a little bit of space where we can make this? And if I'm going to take a pause, I owe it to the team to say, I'm not going to be rushed in this. I am taking all your feedback in. I'm going to go prayerfully consider it. I've said I'm going to go away for a couple of three days. I'm not running from this. I'm going to get alone so I can silence the noise. So it kind of depends on the context of the decision and whether I'm the senior leader or whether I'm a leader on a team, right? Some of those things matter because the decisions that we make, it's sort of like what's the scope of the impact of that decision? If it affects 400 400 people, then I'm going to be a little, little more slow to make that decision versus if it affects a four people. It still affects people. Every decision we make has an impact on people. Let me say this. Every process in our organization has a people center to it. Processes are not devoid of people. We have processes for paying people. We have processes for ordering supplies from people, for homes, for people. We have processes of finding the best price for things and not overpaying for things. So decisions can vary by scope and impact. But if I'm going to take a pause or if there's a split view, it's my responsibility to say why I'm either taking a pause or if I'm going left and half the team wanted me to go right, I get the opportunity to explain the decision God has entrusted to me. And I have an opportunity also to invite them to commit. See, that's a value for us. Disagree and commit is a, is a core philosophy. Now, if that's not a core philosophy in your organization, well, I don't know what to tell you. We get to disagree before a decision's made, and then we get to commit after a decision's made. I would institute that promptly. If it's not part of your culture, make it part of your culture. We're going to disagree before the decision, and we're going to commit, and we're going to own it. And I... I'm going to tell you why we're going left and not right. And then I'm going to invite you to commit to the, to the left decision or the right. 
or the back or the forward. So yes, this is not a democracy. They have a voice in that decision, not a vote. Don't give away your authority. That's on you. If you gave them a vote, well, you've got to go apologize for your mistake. And I'm not saying, Aaron, you make that mistake, but I'm saying if you make that mistake, go correct it. Because what you accept is what you teach. You tracking with me? If you give them a vote, they're going to expect a vote every time. If you give them a voice, they're going to expect a voice. And they should expect a voice. But they shouldn't get a vote every time. Okay? I hope that's helpful. Building an aligned leadership team is a spiritual calling. Make no mistake, this is God's work. Building alignment and then defending that alignment and maintaining that alignment is spiritual work. Right, Hotam? Yep. I guess his breakout's done, so I should be done. <laughs> it is the work of a spiritual leader. It is a spiritual calling. It's not less than or greater than that of a pastor. This pastor gets to do this too. He gets to lead relationally. He gets to lead and build and maintain and defend alignment. That's what we do in the marketplace. That's what we do in our organizations. If it's God's business, if it's God's organization, we get to do it. Now let's do it, okay? So Father, I just pray favor and blessing over this group. They are in the midst of your business, your marketplace ministry, and there is much work to be done, but we're not going to do it from a posture of striving. We're going to do it from a posture of rest. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us supernatural revelation. You have our yes to do the hard work of building alignment, of selecting people that are aligned with your vision, your purpose for this organization. And God, we're going to do that unapologetically, but we're going to do it in an atmosphere of grace, an environment of truth, and we're going to do it over time. We're committed to your purposes being the highest priority in your ministry. So we do that in Jesus' name, by your spirit. Amen.